Welcome, future doctors, to another episode of the Future Minority Doctor Podcast with Dr. Sulma and Marina, where we bring you conversations to empower and inspire you to contribute to your community and the world by becoming a doctor. Welcome, everyone. I'd love to introduce our special guest today, Erica Bernardino. She just finished her first year of medical school at Drew UCLA School of Medicine. She completed her undergraduate education at UC San Diego, studying biochemistry and cell biology, and also minored in music. She took two gap years between undergrad and medical school, working at a music studio teaching piano. So as you can see, in addition to all of her pre-med knowledge, she has a lot of musical knowledge in there as well. She's not really sure what she wants to do in terms of specializing, but is thinking possibly cardiology. So thank you so much, Erica, for taking the time to be here with us today and share your knowledge about how you prepared for the MCAT, which, as we all know, is a key step to getting into medical school. Yeah, no, thank you for having me as well. So to start out, tell us a little bit about your background. What was your upbringing like and what motivated you to become a doctor? Sure. So I uh, grew up, I'm a daughter of two immigrant parents. Um, They were both born and raised in the Philippines. Um, Of course, like very many others, we had a dream of going to America and starting a new life here. And that opportunity kind of came up through the military. So my dad joined the military as a Filipino citizen. And the deal was you serve a number of years and um, in exchange, you'll get the opportunity to live in the States. And so that's kind of the route that we took. Um, I was born in Okinawa, Japan, which is a small island off the coast of Japan. I highly recommend anyone who loves to travel to come visit. It's a great place to go and lived there for about nine years and went to Guam. And then finally, we moved to um, the States. And I have been in Southern California near San Diego ever since. And yeah, I, I absolutely love it. In terms of medicine, I think my start was a little bit unconventional in a way, and that it was kind of the only career that I had an idea that I might want to go into. I think in high school, the big things that you think about is, do you want to be a teacher? Do you want to be a lawyer or a doctor or an engineer? Um, And I felt like I resonated most with being a doctor. You know, I like science. I think I like people. Um, So that's kind of the direction I went with. Uh, So then I went to UCSD and took a major that was very pre-med-like that would hit a lot of the requirements that um, medical school would need. But then I kind of realized then was I need a better reason to like go into medicine. This is a a long, long road and there's going to be a lot of sacrifices. And more importantly, it's a big responsibility to your patients, to their families and their community. So I wanted to be sure that this was right for me. And so I kind of use undergrad as an opportunity to shadow physicians and intern at hospitals and rotate through different departments. And probably my favorite activity was uh, volunteering at hospice. So if you're unfamiliar with hospice, it's kind of a type of care that patients can get if the doctor believes that they have a prognosis of six months or less. So this is more like end-of-life care. And it's probably one of the most difficult uh, but most rewarding things I've ever done. So basically, I provide kind of companionship. So I spend afternoons once or twice a week with different patients, either at their personal home or a nursing home. And we basically spend hours doing things that they like whether that's playing bingo or 
reading books or, you know, just talking about like their life um, and hoping that the time that we spend together is meaningful to them and brings them a lot of happiness and joy. Um, And that's what I did. And in doing so, I got to see how physicians um, support patients kind of in a different way. I think we kind of think, or at least I kind of thought that being a physician, you're here to heal people. And a lot of times that's what we, that what they do, but we're sometimes physicians are there to provide comfort and literally be there for someone till the very end. And I thought that kind of relationship was just so profound. Um, and that touched me in a way that I knew that like, this is a kind of career that I want to be that even though I lost a lot of the patients that I was assigned to, even though that was really hard, um, I knew that I wanted to be that kind of support system to the patient and their family. Um, and hopefully be a kind of support system to a community as well. And there's other things too. Um, I love that physician being a physician is so flexible. You, if you like research, you can do research. And that was something that I kind of was interested in undergrad. Um, if you wanted to be a teacher or a professor, which I really, would, really would love to do at some part of my career, that's also an opportunity. If you'd like to do global health things, um, which I would love to go back to the Philippines and kind of give back to my community there as a physician, that's also an opportunity. So I just felt like it hit a lot of the boxes that like I would hope to do into just one job title. And now I'm here. I'd, I'd love for you to share a little bit about your college experience. You majored in sciences and minored in music at UC San Diego. What was your college experience like? Was it hard to transition? Was it hard to take pre-med classes? Were there any hurdles that you faced along the way? Yeah, so I went to UCSC in 2014 and graduated in 2018 and majored in uh, cell biology um, and biochemistry and then minored in music. Definitely UCSD is at a quarter system, so our courses are 10 weeks long. I think that was the biggest challenge for me. Um, It's very fast paced, so I feel like every week was kind of like a midterm. And so that was like probably the biggest challenge was just trying to keep up with the load of classes as well as the pace of the class as well. Um, And I guess an additional challenge was that uh, because my minor was kind of not really aligned with my major, it was kind of like studying kind of almost like two majors at the same time. Um, So of course, like just finding a balance between those two responsibilities as well was a challenge too. What about the culture, like the pre-medical culture? I know a lot of people struggle with the competitiveness and like getting the grades that you need to get into medical school. Was that hard at all? Definitely. I would like, I would be lying to say if I didn't run into people that I kind of embodied that competitive spirit. But I, I think what was important for me was to find people who kind of wanted to support one another. And so just surrounding um, myself with those kind of um, supportive friends um, instead was what really, I think, kept me a little bit more sane throughout undergrad. But yeah, and they're not hard to find. Like, there, are, there will be some people who are a little bit more cutthroat when it, in terms of trying to succeed. And, and then there will be others who will be a little bit more collaborative. And, you know, you will vibe with uh, certain people and, you know, just find the people that, you know, will support you. And that could be both in college or outside of college. Um, and I think that will really help you out during undergrad. What would you say was something that kept you motivated uh, during those times in college that were you know, maybe taking organic chemistry or some really hard class and you were like, oh, I don't know if I really want to do this. What kept you motivated through that? I think just being involved 
with patients, I think, because I mean, patients is for sure, probably my number one reason why I want to pursue medicine is like the people aspect. So, you know, having the chance to go to clinic and talk to patients and, you know, go to my hospice patients throughout the throughout the years of undergrad kind of just served as a constant reminder of like, this is what I'm working really hard and really long for. And so I think just reminding yourself, like, you know, there is a reason why that you chose this field. And, you know, hopefully, there are opportunities to kind of see firsthand and engage firsthand in those reasons, whether that's research or teaching or the patients, or, you know, learning, hopefully, you can get a taste of that throughout undergrad. And I think that uh, might help you stay motivated. Wonderful. All right, let's dive into the topic, of course, of this episode, the MCAT. So the big question here, how (laughs) did you prepare for taking the MCAT? Things like, let's start out with how long did you give yourself to prepare for taking the test? Yeah, so I took the MCAT twice. So I think I'll talk about the first time first and kind of the timeline for the first one. And so I took a Princeton summer immersion class, um, which is a, a little bit pricey. But it's like a month long course. And things that I liked about it was that it it definitely gives you a lot of structure. And it kind of forces you to, you know, there's homework assignments. So you have to do these practice passages and you have to, you know, read the chapter and take notes on it. And it kind of keeps you on top of the material because there's a lot of material. It's, It's a beast of a test. It's a long test, too. So I use the summer of my right after my second year before my third year of college. And then I was a little bit unconventional in that I took my first MCAT January of the following year. So most people, I would say, take a summer immersion course and kind of try to take the MCAT soon after. I didn't really feel like I was ready yet. Um, I wanted to take a little bit of more courses in college to try to help me out. So kind of things like metabolics or molecular bio, things like that. And then I use the summertime. So that's about like September to December, really just light studying. So for content more, so reviewing my notes from my Princeton course, not really taking advantage of like taking practice passages, which I wish I did, um, but I did not. And then when it came to my winter break, which is three weeks long, that's when I kind of buckled down and try to do as much practice tests as possible. So I relied on the Princeton practice test, as well as the actual MCAS practice test. I've heard a lot of great things about UWorld practice tests as well as exam crackers, um, but I didn't take those, so I can't really express an opinion on it, but I heard it was really nice. In terms of Princeton, um, it is a lot harder than the actual MCAT, I think, um, and some people like it and some people don't. I personally liked it. I thought it forced me to learn content a little bit better, but in a way that's a little bit of a disadvantage because sometimes it's too difficult. And where it's not really written like the MCAT. Um, but I think that's where the MCAS practice tests really come in because these are the people who write the tests themselves. And so I use those really to try to determine or gauge like, okay, if I were to take the MCAT, this is where I might land. Um, and this kind of helped shape my decision on, okay, am I ready to take the MCAT in January or should I reschedule? Um, in the end, um, I decided to go through with it. And then I got a 508 for the first one. And so that was kind of my first experience with the first test. Yeah. Did you have a goal score for your first test? Like, was there a number you had in mind that you really wanted to get? I really wanted to break the 510s. I felt like that was some magic number that seemed to be floating around. 
that like, especially if you wanted to stay in California, and of course, ideally, it would be nice to stay here in California, uh-huh. like near my family, my friends. So of course, that was a goal. And unfortunately, I was a little bit off. And that's kind of the reason why that drove me to try and take it again. Uh-huh. Gotcha. So after you got that 508, how soon after did you take the test again? Yeah, it actually took me a bit of time to decide, like, should I go ahead and use this score to apply or should I try again and break the five tens? And so I ended up taking the MCAT a year and some months later. So I took the first one was January 2017. My second one was May 2018. Um, I think the hard part about both of those MCAT tests was I took it on top of like my college courses. So I would say if you can, um, I know it's not always possible, it would be nice if you can dedicate just solely your time on the MCAT if possible. But at the same time, like from doing the MCAT on top of my college courses, I would say it is possible to do, you know, college on top of this or a job on top of this. It just takes a little bit more dedication, a little bit more planning, as well as a lot more sacrifices, I think, in order to make it happen. Yeah. I think the idea behind the MCAT is that it is supposed to be testing a lot of the knowledge that you get from your core biology, chemistry, sociology classes in college. Did you feel like there was a big overlap for you? Like, do you feel like your college courses prepared you relatively well to take the MCAT? Or did you feel like there was still a lot of stuff that you had to study? I think fortunately for me, there was a lot of overlap. In fact, probably because of the nature of my major, it was more nitty gritty um, in terms of concepts, especially when it becomes to smaller biology, like the cell um, and things like that. Um, but when it did come to human bio, which there's a lot of, as you can imagine on them, Kat, um, I felt like that one is where I needed to step up a little bit and do more independent studying because that wasn't really covered um, in my human bio courses. Um, so So I would say some parts very well overlapped um, just because the nature of my major and other parts, there was a lot that I had to study on my own, um, which was also very challenging as well. Mm -hmm. The second time that you took the test, did you change up your study strategy? Did you use the same materials or different materials? How did you prepare that second time? Yeah, so for the second time, I realized that I kind of focused a little too much on preparing for content uh, during my first run. So on my first run, a lot of the times is I would try to read all the chapters of my Princeton books um, and take notes on it. And then after I would study those notes, and sometimes I would make flashcards out of those notes. But what I found is that I think it's a little bit better for me, at least, is to just practice the passages and just actually take questions and do them. And then you can find kind of like the gaps in your knowledge that way. Like if I take a question and I realize, okay, I'm actually not so great at genetics, then I would go back and then focus on genetics rather than just trying to, you know, master everything in the books. Because I think in reality, it's very, very hard to to know all of it and master all of it in a reasonable amount of time. Uh-huh. So I think the second time around, just really focusing on, you know, let me get like 10 passages today, or, you know, let me do cars today, like just really focus on practice passages. I'm more practice tests. Um, In terms of materials, I did use similar ones from Princeton. There was a lot of passages that I didn't get to the first time. So I tried to get to all of those my second time. 
And I also used a little bit of Kaplan. Um, I really liked the Kaplan MCAT flashcards. I thought those were really quick ways to kind of like solidify facts that were pretty high yield. So I really like those. And then, of course, again, using the MCAS um, practice test. Um, and I think I did, I bought some exam crackers uh, practice tests as well, which was pretty, um, pretty nice, I thought. How many practice tests would you say you took in preparation for the first time you took it? And how many did you take for the second time, if you can remember? Yeah, I would say maybe for the first time, I want to say around five to seven practice tests. Another thing that I wanted to point out, too, is that the first time I would take the practice test and I kind of wouldn't review the practice test the way that I should be reviewing them. So sometimes I would just gloss over the questions that I missed the first time around. Uh Um, But the problem is, like, sometimes you're, you know, you're guessing between two answers and maybe I just guessed right and I would never know because I didn't look at the question. So on the second time around, I would, when I take the test, I would, you know, it would take me a really long time to review it because I'm reviewing every single question to make sure I got it right because of the reasons why I think I got it right. And then, of course, reviewing the the questions I was kind of bouncing between answers. I think the second time around, I took around close to like 10 to 13 practice tests. Yeah, I would say 10 to 13 or 15 practice tests the second time. So definitely more practice, which helped. Yeah, wow. That, that's a lot of practice tests, a lot of devotion. Yeah. Do you mind sharing what your score was the, the second time around? Yeah. So I, I broke the five tens and got just a five eleven. Excellent. <laughs> hey, every point counts. That's amazing. Congratulations. Thank you. With the practice test, you know, it's one point that I emphasize to pre-med uh, students that you have to take practice tests. It's kind of like training for a marathon, you can't expect to suddenly be able to run 26 miles if you haven't even run 10. So how did you do those practice tests? Did you really try to simulate actual test day conditions? Did you take the whole test the whole way through? Yeah, so in the very beginning, I I think it's a little bit about like training too. So I definitely could not last the full six or seven hours it takes to take the test in one sitting. So I would try taking, you know, it untimed for the beginning, maybe the first two or three tests, I would take it untimed. And then I would stop after a section. And then for the next test, I would try to stop after two sections, and then so on and so forth until I can finally complete it in one setting. And then for the remaining tests, so let's say for my second round, the remaining 10-ish tests that I had, I would try my best to simulate the testing conditions. So I would get up, like at six or seven, and like kind of anticipate how long it would take me to drive, like over to the testing center too, uh, to make sure that I'm like functional at that time, um, and then try to start the test right at eight. And then, you know, I would kind of mess around with what I felt good about in terms of the breaks. So I've heard that some people like taking the full break, some people don't like taking the break, because, you know, their concentration kind of turns off a little bit, and it takes a while to adjust. I personally like taking all the breaks. I felt like I needed every minute of that break. So it's just really up to you to find kind of like the rhythm that you like when it's actual testing day. Great. I like to tell students that, you know, one of the biggest barriers to taking the MCAT, it's not the science. It's not taking the questions. It's not finding the right prep materials. It's actually psychological. It's like telling yourself, I can do the work that it takes. Like, I 
can get better. I can believe in myself to achieve this goal. How was that for you? Did you have to psych yourself up to study at times? Was it difficult? Did you sometimes feel like giving up? Yeah, I mean, I think probably like a good and bad thing about the MCAT is that there's a potential to reschedule the test. Uh And so I'm always like thinking in the back of my mind, oh, like, okay, I don't feel ready. So I can just reschedule it. Like, it's like kind of like taking a little bit of pressure off myself. But I tried really hard to like, you know what, like I want, I don't want to study for the MCAT forever. Um, (laughs) I wouldn't be like super happy about that. Um, So I, I tried to give myself a little bit of stricter like guidelines, like, you know what, like we're going to keep the date that we are. And so there's definitely like just a lot of pressure. I think as a pre-med, we're also, we want so much to, to get a good score. And not only in the MCAP, but in other things, you want so much to do so much extracurricular activities. You want so much to have the best GPA possible. And we kind of put a lot of pressure on ourselves to just to do well. And so I think I really had to cope with, you know what, like, it's okay to just do your best. Like, you don't need the 520 whatever. Just do your best. And, you know, and let's see what happens. And so I kind of had to give my pep, this kind of pep talk all the time to myself. Like, you know what, it's okay take the test and see what happens. Thankfully, everything worked out. So, you know, to all the pre-meds, uh, you know, it's so hard. Uh, everything is so hard, like, to get into medical school. But after the first year, I feel like really the most difficult part is just getting in. Um, and after that, like, you know, we all can, we all can do it. So, you know, super rooting for uh-huh. everyone. <laughs> Great. Yeah. When you were actively studying for the MCAT, either the first or the second time or both, How many hours a day were you devoting? You mentioned that you were trying to take it alongside uh, your classes at least one of those times, so that was probably different. How did you do that? How did you manage your time? Yeah, so it was definitely a challenge. um, for Actually, for both tests, I had to take it on top of uh, my course load at school. So kind of, I would say I would try to dedicate almost three to four hours to MCAT studying every day on top of like my schoolwork. So kind of what I would do is it was really important for me to plan out what my quarter looked like at the time so that I would know, okay, this week I'm probably going to have to focus more on school because I have a midterm for, you know, this course or that course. And then, or I can see, okay, this week is going to be kind of light for me. I don't have any labs due. I don't have any midterms. This week I can kind of focus more on the MCAT. And so that can kind of help me gauge like where, like how much time do I really have and, you know, what responsibilities do I have during the week that kind of allowed me to better like plan out when I can study for the MCAT and when I can study for my normal classes. And then in terms of rather than setting like time goals for myself, I like to um, set more like certain study goals. For example, I would say, okay, I would like to get this, my intro and conclusion done for my lab report today for my class. And I would like to do five to six passages of CARS today. And then that's kind of how I gauge, okay, that was a good study session for me. If I tried to like do do my best to hit my goals. And of course, there'll be days where I set a goal for myself and I can't complete it. And you just have to, you know, learn to be flexible, find things that you can move around. Okay, I will work on this this time instead and hopefully put more time in for the MCAT. Um, so just like trying to find a balancing act and being flexible and, you know, being kind to yourself that, 
you know, sometimes you won't get the goal that you wanted to complete that day. And that's okay. We'll find another time to do it. Did you, out of curiosity, did you have to work while you were in college? Was that an additional challenge? Because I know some students do have to do that. Yeah, I had a, a very small job. So of course, probably not as like rigorous as a lot of like my classmates I know had. Uh, but I was a TA for OCHEM and that was about like 10 to 12 hours a week. And so doing that on top, um, actually, I kind of preferred it. It was a little because I enjoy teaching and I enjoy OCHEM. Um, so it was a, like kind of like a nice forced break for me um, outside of like my schoolwork or outside of the MCAT setting. So I actually liked it. But I know that that's just an additional like responsibility that other people have. So that's definitely something to account for when you're when you're planning out when to take the MCAS to make sure that your load isn't too heavy, that you do have time to study. Yeah, definitely. If you could give one piece of advice to pre-med students that are taking the exam in the coming year, what would that be? Uh, to practice, practice, practice on, on your practice tests and your practice questions on the question banks. I know I feel like Sometimes you just feel like you have to study like the content and like read the books and watch the videos. Um, but I found that I, I learned the content best by practicing. A little bit of an unfortunate fact is that MCAT is a test that you kind of learn how to take too. Like there are some strategies that you can kind of think about when you take the MCAT. So it's like really just like training a muscle, training yourself to, to stay focused for very long periods of time. And also kind of training yourself to reset every time because sometimes the past, like a certain section of the MCAT is going to be tough. And then you're going to have to forget that section even happened and refocus for the next section. So training kind of that mentality when you take the test is really important. So I say your best advice is to take as many practice tests as you can, as well as review the practice test on like every question um, Uh so that you can kind of see, you know, your strengths and your weaknesses. And then you can kind of guide further studying off of those tests. I think that's excellent advice. I constantly remind my mentees that active learning versus passive learning, you can't just read a textbook over and over again and and expect to magically absorb it. If you test yourself by doing practice questions or flashcards or any kind of like quizzing of yourself, it's going to be so much better. You're going to recall the information so much better. You're going to process it. You're going to understand it so much better if you actually challenge your brain to recall it or to use it in some way. So I love that you say that, that, you know, that those practice questions and that method of doing a lot of practice questions is probably what helped you the second time around, right? Yeah, definitely. Um, uh, it changed. The, I felt like it changed the game. I felt much more comfortable with them, Kat just taking the test because I, I, I felt like I took it so many times. So I felt ready. Well, excellent. Thank you so much, Erica, for sharing a little bit about your background, about your story, about your test preparation and your experience with the MCAT. Um, I'm sure that a lot of aspiring doctors will find it helpful in their own MCAT preparation. And congratulations on finishing your first year of medical school. That's quite an accomplishment. You're an example to others that you can do it, you can get there, and you can succeed. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. Um, Yeah, I hope that this was helpful. And, you know, to all the pre-meds, it's a tough road, but, you know, I'm rooting for you all, um, and we can all make it. I totally agree. Thanks so much, Erica, and to all our listeners, thank you for tuning in today. Have a great day.